Welcome to the Court to Corporate Podcast. I'm your host, Kirby Porter. On this show, we sit down with current and former athletes to discuss their personal playbooks and dive deeper into how it has translated into success and lessons outside the game and in the business world. You can find this podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at courttocorporate.com. Court to Corporate is all about amplifying the journey of athletes in corporate America and showcasing how your athletic influence can serve to build your path. Stay up to date with more content and perspectives across all of our social platforms. These will be linked in the show notes or they can be found on our website. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Court to Corporate podcast. It's me, your host, Kirby Porter. All right, so the news since our last episode is that I was recently selected to Sports Business Journal's New Voices Under 30 Award. So really exciting and humbling opportunity for many reasons. But first, a 30-second spiel on me for people that this may be your first podcast or just because a refresher never hurts. So in undergrad, I did sports internships at the Patriots and Under Armour, and I'm now into my second year at PepsiCo in New York. So I interned at Pepsi going into my senior year, absolutely loved it, came back, spent my first year on the Mountain Dew Innovation team, launching some new products and also new platforms in the gaming and basketball space. And then this past July, I just started on our, I guess not just anymore because it's December, but (laughs) I started on our sports marketing team working on our NBA and Hoops partnership. So of course, as you know me, that has been a really exciting and amazing experience so far. So with Sports Business Journal's new voices under 30, this is the first year of the platform and program. The goal is to recognize the next generation of leaders in sports business. And from their description, they're looking to identify young, diverse, impactful leaders and entrepreneurs and risk takers who are reimagining the way sports business is done. And beyond me, just looking at the list of the people that were selected, it was really cool just to see the range and diversity of thought um, of, you know, where people are coming from in the sports industry. So across the league side, team side, esports, brand, entrepreneurs as well, you name it. Um, Just a really amazing list. And I'm looking forward to meeting all of those people at the event, which is, I guess, just in a week or two now. And then personally, I, I mean, I posted this on my LinkedIn, but this is really special for me because of my why. So As an African-American female athlete, what has stayed consistent and remained the same is what has motivated me. And it's always been this idea of being able to impact people that look like me as A, a woman of color, and B, have had similar experiences as me as an athlete. And so to be able to do that through my journey and also now work is something that is is really special and just reaffirms, um, I guess, what what drives me or why I want to do what I want to do. Um, so, I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about the power of sports and the opportunity to kind of continue to impact people, whether that was on the court in in a jersey as a leader, as an athlete, or now into my career. So all in all, enough about me, but definitely just thankful for this opportunity. And we'll keep you guys posted on the event on December 12th. We'll probably post a recap. 
Now on to the podcast and today's guest, Dewey Jarvis. So Dewey's path to where he is now came with decisions, but the actions that he took put him in a position to chase both dreams. So from Brown football to the NFL to now Emory Med School, Dewey Jarvis is joining us today to share how he leveraged both academics and athletics to get to where he wanted to go. We're talking about how he managed his priorities as a pre-med student and standout on the football team, how he decided between going to the NFL or going to med school. He's taking us behind the scenes of making the 53-man roster from a mid-major program and also diving into his thought process and his return to chasing his other dream in med school. Here's our conversation with Dewey Jarvis. So you're just a few weeks in. How a few weeks into med school that is? How is it going? Um, it is great right now. Um, like I said earlier, we just we just finished our first exam. Um, and that was really like our intro to the whole med school life. Um, we were given one week to learn material and the test at the end. And it was, um, it was you know, a little bit high pressure because you're trying to figure out how much to study. But at the same time, um, there's a lot of support and a lot of good energy in the building. So people were able to finish that test with uh, high spirits. Of course. And you're back in Atlanta, but just in a bit of a different capacity. We're, you were here this time last year, obviously, on the Falcons, but how is it kind of being on the other side of things now and in a different lifestyle? Yeah. Um, well, I actually miss it so much. Um, right now, I'm watching my friends from last year, from the team last year, try to make the team this year. Um, as they're going to like preseason games and things like that. And I'm like watching them and I'm texting them and I'm, you know, rooting for them. I mean, it's, it's actually so much more fun to watch preseason this way when, when you really have somebody that you're supporting on the team. Um, but it, it's completely different. Like now, instead of being outside in the hot sun, you know, I'm, I'm running into air conditioned buildings and, and staying there. Um, so it's, it's a completely different summer than I had last year, but. Awesome. Cool. Well, let's get started. So I watched your interview last summer, actually, and it was before making the roster. And your advice to players was to leverage both education and athletics to get them where they want to go. And to me, as I was watching that, I was like, okay, this really summarizes his journey, this discussion, and I think what we're about to talk about today. But in your words first, um, tell us about yourself. Who is Dewey Jarvis? And share a little bit more about your journey to where you are now. My journey to where I am now, um, it came with a lot of difficult decisions, I guess, based off of the opportunities I was given. And like you said, you know, um, I am a big advocate of using athletics to leverage yourself and give yourself a platform to go where you want to go. Um, so I feel like that's what I did. You know, I, I worked hard in high school, got into a great college using sports and academics. And then um, at the end of that four year, four and a half year college career, I was, you know, at a crossroad where I had to choose between athletics and academics. Like I could either, you know, go to school and pay tuition for four more years, or I could join um, a professional sports team and 
you know, live out that life. So, I mean, it's been like a really tricky road and honestly, so hard to define. Like, it's such an unusual place to be in that like my thoughts about it aren't even concrete yet. You know? <laughs> of course. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the beauty of it. And I think that is what's relatable to a lot of people. And I think your crossroad is obviously a bit unique from others, um, you know, choosing between med school or NFL. But I think people come across a lot of these intersections, especially as athletes and, to cho- and choosing, you know, what school is best or which path should I choose at the end of four years? So um, I think we're all all digesting it. Um, back to your process of choosing the good school that you went to, Brown. Um, let's talk about the broken leg rule. This should be a rule of thumb for all players in my decision. It's definitely how I, I chose my process. But first of all, just tell us the rule. What is it? Okay, so the rule is if you break your leg playing the sport that you love and you're no longer able to play, are you going to be in a place where you're still able to enjoy what you're doing and able to enjoy life? And I think that a lot of people do this naturally. A lot of people take this into consideration when they're um, choosing a school, but I kind of like emphasize it and say that, you know, if I can never play this sport again, am I still in a place where I can feel like I'm succeeding in life or I feel like I'm growing? Mm-hmm. So what did that mean for you in going to Brown? Like what other choose, what other schools are you choosing between and ultimately why was it Brown that you chose? Yeah, so I'm, I was choosing Brown was, I think, my best academic offer. Um, it was the only Ivy League offer that I got to play. Otherwise, I would have had to apply to schools and try to, you know, walk on to a team. And I think that would be impossible, but um, – when I was coming out of high school, you had a lot less confidence. So, um, you know, it, it made sense for me to go with, um, somebody who had given me an offer. And the thing is too, I always kept this in mind because, you know, professional football is not an easy job to get, like, it's hard to get to that point. So, um, I was always thinking, you know, when I'm done with my athletic career, where am I going to be? What what am I going to have? Um, on my resume, how am I going to, you know, progress to the world afterwards? And uh, Brown's perfect spot for that because, like, I was having a lot of leg injuries, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> I kept on, like, dislocating my kneecap. And every time I was like, well, at least if I, if I can't play anymore, I'm in a good place where I can, you know, learn and, and meet cool people and just grow in this world. Yeah, took the rule quite literally. Um yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Brown, so you went there, you knew you wanted to play football while working towards a biology degree. You got there, excelled in both. And I think a lot of people, you know, freshman year, you come in and all the pre-med classes are like packed out, you know, everyone's saying they want to do pre-med and, and people are slowly weeded out. But how how did you bounce being a top performer for the latter half of your career while continuing on what's a very rigorous path. Like I had so much respect for my teammates that were pre-med and seeing how they bounced the labs in the middle of practice and, and exams in the middle of game day, you know, whatever it is, I think there were a lot more structural barriers in place um, for my teammates that were on the pre-med track. So for you and your experience, um, how, how did you find the bounce? How did you do both? All right. So I, I think that the, biggest contribution to my ability to balance 
was really like the support behind me because I, you know, you have to sacrifice a lot of time when you're, when you're managing both. Um, and you have to have people who are going to understand that that's what you're doing. Um, so a lot of times, you know, I'd be cooped up in the library studying when I'm supposed to be out socializing or when I thought I was supposed to be out socializing. And that's like a, you know, a little bit of a social sacrifice that you make. Um, but the time, the time is there. The time to succeed is there. Um, it's just about, you know, defeating that FOMO and defeating the, the, um, I guess, inclination to want to go out. Um, I also, I also worked with my coaches and they helped me a lot because there was one point where I could not make, I couldn't make it work. Like I could not make all of my labs work with my practice schedule. So, you know, I went in and talked to my coaches and they were really, really flexible, really, really understanding about it. They allowed me to skip um, my Thursday practices so that I could fit in an organic chemistry lab. Um, and then I would, you know, come in and, and, learn all the or go over the film afterwards um and stay up to date on my practice and and uh playbook that way but like i said like it, it's just for me it was a lot of um just communication and and planning so i'd say time management is the number one thing and that's that's what really you get preached your whole life 100 percent. and the other thing that you just mentioned that stood out to me was the strength or the skill set of being able to advocate for yourself in your communication skills. And, you know, obviously if the lab is in the middle of practice, you cannot make it right. Like that's, that's just the fact. But I think there are some skill sets there that come with being able to have that conversation with your coaches in the right way that it's like, I want to make this work on both ends. How, how was that conversation for you? Was it challenging at first um, and I mean, did it become easier as, as they started to understand, understand your schedule? But I guess first we'd just love to hear, like, how did you approach those conversations with your coaches? Um, yeah, <laughs> well, I'd say once again, my position helped with that. Um, I was at a school where I was not on scholarships. I believe don't offer athletic scholarships. So there is no like contract. There was no binding agreement that would say, oh, if, you, if you're not fulfilling your football requirements, you're not going to be able to attend this school. Um, so that helped a ton first off. And I know that a lot of people aren't in that situation. Um, the second part is, um, you know, I think I've built a certain rapport and a certain reputation with my coaches that they, they knew that I was going to work hard regardless. They knew I was going to be prepared on Saturday on game day. Um, so, I think that when I went there um, and had that conversation, they, you know, they were able to trust that it was a decision that I was making and that wouldn't compromise the um, the team. Um, but really, it was it was a, it was just an honest conversation, um, and that's the importance of building a relationship. Like I just said, you know, I'm I'm having difficulty um, making my academic schedule work, and this is something that I care about a lot because. It is. I mean, when I when I was a junior in college, I had no idea I was going to be able to play professionally. So my first priority was to get good grades and complete classes and graduate. So I said, you know, like, these are my priorities. I have to make sure that I finish this. And, you know, if I have to choose between the two, like, I, I have to choose academics because, I like, football is not very secure to me. Um, 
So, um, you know, I sat down and had that conversation and, and they were really flexible about it. And we said, you know, things like, it's always about what can you handle? If, if things get out of control, if I end up coming in on Saturday and not being able to do my job, then you have to have another conversation and say like, look, the fact that you're missing these practices is really affecting your ability to play. So we're going to reduce your time or something like that. You know, like there's always a balance, but, um, just because I I was able to juggle the two of them and I was able to, you know, successfully do that, I think it worked. But it was all, you know, it was all just a trial run at first and it worked out. Exactly. You just mentioned your junior year, you weren't sure if the NFL was an option, but put us in your shoes. What was the first time that you did think like, hey, I could take this to the next level? Um, man, the first time I thought about going to the next level. The first time I thought about playing professionally, I was in high school. I was like, oh, this could be really fun if I, if I play all the way. Like, I'm going to go to the top school. I'm going to, you know, win all these awards, get drafted, go to the NFL. That was in high school. And then um, I didn't get recruited that way. So then it was like, okay, I'm going to just go to A school and then push it and see how far I can get. And, you know, if I'm really that good, then I'll shine and somebody in the league will see me and I'll get picked up regardless of where I'm playing. And that's, that's the truth, to be honest. Um, like when I got there, there were so many, so many folks that were just from, you know, random school that had just absolutely shown on their field or shined on their field. And like, they just, that's how they got to the NFL. Like you will be found if you, if you play well. Um, so all you need is that opportunity. Um, and then in college, um, I think that scouts started to come um, my junior year. They started to come and they all kind of told me the same thing. They're like, you know, it's a, it's a reach. It's a reach. Like you're a little undersized for the position you would have you at, but you know, like if you put on some weight and maybe, and you know, yada, yada, yada. So I don't think I really, felt like I could actually make it to the next level until I was up there, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, it was like, that's just how it is. Though. I mean, you, you have some doubt in your mind the whole way and it's just, you know, keep going. Let's see, let's see what happens. That's, that was going. my mentality. Yeah. No, I love that. So while still in your four years, you did all the work to put yourself in a position to, do, to chase both dreams, quite frankly, you you know completed your degree, you applied to schools, you took the MCAT while all in undergrad. My mm-hmm. first question is, had you been accepted to Emory before deciding to go to the league, or did, was that a development within the last year? No, um, I got accepted to Emory first. Um, I remember sitting in my kitchen with my parents. Um, I graduated in the winter. I I took one semester off um, so I could make up for like a a lost season due to injury, um, like a medical red shirt. Um, So I took one semester off of school. So I graduated in December of 2017. Um, And when I was at home after that, after graduation, I think it was in like January, February, something like that. I got a phone call and, um, Emory decided, you know, they told me that, that I'd been accepted. Um, during that time, I was still, like, training for the Combine and training for all of that um, NFL pre-draft events. Um, I was playing in 
the Senior Bowl, which is a showcase game out in uh, Alabama. Um, and when I got in, I was like, this makes everything easier because now I, I already know I have a destination. Um, let's just see, you know, what we can do on the way. Um, I knew, like, I had a guaranteed spot. I had something to do in the upcoming summer, but all of the pre-draft things were going on in the spring and the early summer, so I didn't have to – I really didn't have to worry about anything while I was training. I didn't have to worry about a backup plan at all because it was secure. Um, so it made the process a lot, a lot more fun for me. Did you – I mean, throughout that process, though, I know you just mentioned – you didn't realize it would be a reality until you were there, <laughs> like until you were in the Jersey at practice, um, you know, whatever, whatever that realization was for you. But as you were training, after you got accepted, did you ever view one or other as a plan A or a plan B? I mean, ultimately, med school is your destination. You're there now. But were you kind of prioritizing one or the other during that spring? Um. No, I, I wasn't. I think that I didn't really have to make it about plan A or plan B because, well, I guess I guess if you think about it, school would have been plan A because that was already set, that was already in motion, that was already a destination. And then I guess my second plan A would be the NFL. Like if I made it there, that'd be a detour that I could take. Um it's hard to rank one over the other. They're both really amazing. So I don't think I did. I think that it was just more of, um, here's my destination. Here's where I want to end up. And with the amount of time that I have to get there, like, what can I do? Where can I, where can I move with my time leading up to it? So that was, that was my mentality with the NFL thing. Like, I have a little bit of time to kill. I have a little bit of time to just go and, and see what I'm capable of. Um, so I chased something I was passionate about and really had, I guess, the best gap year of my life or the best gap year imaginable. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I was like, people take time off. A lot of people don't take time off in a professional league. So, you know, ne- neither is a bad detour for you. Um, give us a behind the scenes of draft night to making the Falcons initial 53 man roster. Um, just tell us about that process. What was it like? What was the draft night experience like for you? Um, and what decisions are you making along the way? Yeah. Um, draft night was such a fun process. Um, I know I wasn't going to get draft. Well, I went in, you know, thinking I wasn't going to draft it. I was expecting, you know, free agency, but you still kind of watch just, just in case. Um, <laughs> and you, you do have to keep your on. Um, so I think on day three, I was hearing rumors that I was, I could potentially be drafted. Um, and that like, shit, that like changed it, everything. I was like, super excited for that. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a possibility, I'm sorry. Um, and so, you know, I had to keep my phone on. I was watching the TV, like, <laughs> I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and then I got a call late in the draft. Um, actually, a couple, a couple teams called, but, you know, the one that I was most interested in at the time was the Falcons. Um, and they called me and they were like, 
yeah, we're, we're not going to draft you, but we're going to offer you this contract. Um, we want you to like come down to camp and, and work out with us. And, you know, after talking with my agent and stuff, um, I made that decision, but it was, it was funny watching with my parents because, um, I don't think <laughs> it's like a funny dynamic with my, with my mom, because I, I don't think she really likes football that much. or I know she doesn't. Um, so I think she was trying to find almost any way to get me to, you know, just, just go to school. They uh, just go to school. Um, so when they, when they called me and they were like, yeah, we're, we're not going to draft you, but we're going to sign you as a free agent and give you this contract. She's like, how much, they're going to give you for a signing bonus. Like how much is the contract worth? And like she found out and uh, I don't, it was, I don't remember what it was. It was, it was a lot to me. It was more than I'd ever made, but <laughs> she was like, no, it's not even worth it. Just, just go to school. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm going to pass like, on this contract. Like, <laughs> right. Um, right. Right. In oh, front of you. Right. Like, um, I was just like, I don't know. I think I think this could be a good opportunity, and um, so then I, you know, I just I took I said yeah. I said I was going to go after calling my agent. I was like, this is a great op- this is a great idea. And the thing is too, with the contracts, like you make the money, you go to camp, and there's still no guarantee you're going to be on the team, so you're still working. Um, and as I went there, as I went through preseason, you know, there was still all that doubt in my mind that I was not a draft pick, that I was a free agent. Like, free agents don't make a team as frequently. Um, so you're competing against all the free agents in the country. Second-year guys that are coming back, third-year guys that are coming back trying to make the team. Um, and every day you just have to be your best. Every day you have to get better. Every day you have to be, you know, competitive and athletic and, like, you know, on point. It's, like, it's really, really cutthroat. It's really intense. Um, and, you know, you're, you're working out in the sun every day. So, uh, you know, come to cut day, actually, preseason games, I remember after the first preseason game, I went and I, I was like, there's no way I'm making this team. Like, I think I'm going home because I thought I played terribly, but – you know, I forgot that this, like, this is the NFL. Like, it's, it's hard to make plays in this league. Like, it's really hard to make plays. So, I had to keep that in perspective after the first uh, preseason game. Um, and then cut day came, and it, there's just so much stress around that day. Like, you you just watch your phone for the entire day and hope it doesn't ring. Um, just, yeah, I mean, you wake up, you see friends packing up their bags and, you know, leaving, you're like, oh, man, am I next? You try to figure out the order. Is it alphabetical? Like, how are they doing this? Like, right. Trying to break and the code. No yeah, yeah, you try to break the code, but there's no method to it. Um, so then it's just you get to the end of the day and your workout's coming up and you're like, I guess I'm still on the team. I guess I made the cut. Like, <laughs> let me walk over and start warming up. Um, <laughs> no celebration, just straight back to practice. <laughs> like, welcome. Yeah, just just right to practice, and then you know they're like, "Congratulations, we're on the field." It's like, "Good job, guys, you made the team." The cut deadline passed, like all that, blah blah blah. And like, I wanted to go out and celebrate, but then you practice the next day, so you know it was like it was a very internal celebration. You know, it was um, just calling friends, calling family, and enjoying that moment. Um, but it was, it was a really great journey. And 
I mean, tell us about just overall the 18-19 season. What was the biggest adjustment for you coming from a mid-major program? Um, the size and the speed of the players. I think that that's going to be the biggest adjustment for anybody, no matter, like, doesn't matter what school you're coming from. Um, I mean, you're practicing and playing with the best of the best. Um, they're going to be the biggest, they're going to be the strongest, they're going to be the fastest. Um, they're going to be the smartest, too. Um, the amount of, like, instinct on the field is at a totally different level. So people just move in, in smart ways. Um, I think that, you know, once there's, like, a little period of, of doubt, I would say. There's a long period of doubt. Um, but then eventually it kind of normalizes for you and, you know, you feel like you're, you're supposed, you belong there, you know? Um, yeah, that was, that was a big difference, I would say. So how was it for you closing the football chapter, knowing that you had another path to step into? Um, I know you mentioned ultimately getting in last February, it made it easy for you. You had the destination, um, but being in that industry, being in the field for a year and maybe seeing how other trajectories pan out, was there any any sense of reflection there or just, you know, thinking about how you did the work to put yourself in an ability to do both um, in terms of, you know, stepping back in and, and what that meant for you? Yeah, it was a really hard decision to make. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it, it was a really hard decision to make. And I'm still, you know, trying to, like, really rationalize it completely um i think that i'm somebody who follows my instincts a lot and you know i was there um i you know i finished on a practice squad i i moved to two different teams um and it's a it's a very challenging lifestyle um you're on the move you're on the wire you're working hard and I think that I don't know, it was just it was like an evaluation of you know how much am I going to benefit from this experience? Where am I going to be at the end of it? Um, and I guess for me, I was thinking about like how long is my career going to be? How successful is my career going to be? How happy am I going to be through this whole process? And what are my other options? And after you know, weighing that, I decided that going to medical school, because I don't, I'd already set a limit on myself too. I don't already set a, a two-year limit, so I didn't lose my spot at Emory. So I was really only deciding whether I was going to play one more year or not, try to make another team. Um, and I just decided that the amount of like uncertainty that's built into the, um, the process with, you know, actually getting a contract, staying healthy, um, staying on a team, all that stuff. It wasn't worth it to me. I felt like uh, I had a good position with the school, and that's really where I wanted to be. And I think that I'll be able to continue to follow the, um, the trajectory that I'd set for myself um, by going this way. But it's still like a few decision that I like contemplate almost every day, especially now since it's preseason. 
watching them on TV. Like, I'm like, I'm like, man, did I, did I make the right decision? Like, I walked away from a good amount of money, but I mean, now I'm, I'm doing something I really, really, really love and with really cool people. Um, so what do you, on your day to day though, like, what do you, what's that thought process? I, I know you just mentioned like probably the two questions you think about, but do you kind of dive deeper into it to like rationalize it or is it just kind of, yeah, I'm just going to step into this moment and go headstrong. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mean, I don't really think about it day to day. It's not really on my mind that much. Um, I think that I have a role in making that decision. I think I have a role in my community in making that decision. Um, I think that there are a lot of people and I, I have been working with a, a lot of people on this too. I've been meeting with folks and, you know, talking to, um, some kids down here who are at that like in between stage of like, do I keep playing football or do I, you know, drop out and chase academics? And like, I think a lot of people have this decision to make. Um, so, I mean, I'm able to talk about it to a lot of different people. And I think that ultimately, at least how I feel, um, I think I'm encouraging folks to be comfortable with making that decision and be comfortable with, you know, hanging up the cleats when you have to and, you know, chasing other passions. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm asked about it so frequently and I still haven't come up with a good answer. Like to me, it's just, it's just the wave. Like it's just, it's just how I felt. Yeah. So, yeah. Go with your gut. All right. Look ahead. You got to, you got to. Looking ahead, what are you looking forward to in these next four years at Emory? One dream to the next. What's what's yeah. the path ahead for you? Oh, man. Next four years are so exciting for me. Um, I'm stepping in a, into a whole new community, um, medical professionals. I think, you know, it, to me, it feels like the most fulfilling job in the world. Um, you're you're in the profession of caring um and that's something that i i do a lot i care about a lot of other people so um i'm meeting a lot of very very bright very talented individuals who all just want to contribute to their communities in really positive ways and like my whole experience at the school so far has been so positive like there's so much positive energy um so for me, I'm like, I'm really excited to learn more about the field because, you know, I'm kind of like nerdy like that. I kind of like all the science and stuff behind it, but I'm also really excited to, you know, meet the other people who are chasing that dream. So, Absolutely. All right. To end with advice, what do you want athletes to walk away with from hearing your story today? Yeah. Um, I would say for young athletes, chase your dream. There's going to be so much doubt from so many different people. Um, you will never be at a point in your career where someone's not telling you that you can't do it. So always listen to that voice in your head that's telling you you can. Um, that's the most important thing. It will drive you. Trust that voice. Um, you can really do anything you want from anywhere. Just, you know, give yourself the opportunities. Um, and for I guess aging athletes and transitioning athletes, I would say like 
be strong in your decisions and, and know yourself, know your body. Um, if, if you come to a point where you need to stop or where you feel like you need to think or prioritize other things in your life, be proud of that decision. You know, like everyone comes to that point and there are a lot of folks out there who are willing to support you in making that transition. So just, you know, once you've used that to, to maximize your athletic potential and once you've peaked and reached your, your maximum platform and can't see anywhere else to go and you're ready to hang it up, just be proud of what you've accomplished. Like, just always be proud of where you've come from. So that's, I mean, that's the only advice I'll give. All right. Thanks for listening into this episode. In the meantime, we want to hear from you. Stay connected. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcast, DM us or contact us on our website, whatever is easiest. We want to know your feedback and what questions you have. Otherwise, we'll be back soon with more athletes, more perspectives and more pro tips on the way.